Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Podcast Juice. This is the Prince Podcast. My name is Michael Dean. Joining me today, Mr. Big Sexy and Sack. How are you, sir? I'm well. I'm back from the snow and uh, back to civilization. All right. Also joining us, uh, one of the founders, uh, one, one of the long-running commentators of Prince uh, Online, Mr. Big Ken. How are you, sir? Good, man. Just recuperating from the Christmas festivities, man. Getting my strength back up to try to get ready for New Year's. Yes, and uh, if you are listening to this, uh, you might be listening to this a couple years from now, but we are uh, fresh off of Christmas 2015, and we are here today to get into the Hit and Run Phase 2 album by Mr. Prince himself. Uh, a surprise release uh, to a lot of people, as it was to me. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into this album, and then we also will talk about the, uh, I guess we can call it the Black Album of Interviews. Uh, the Prince, <laughs> Prince interview from uh, Ebony. Uh, dot com that has disappeared um, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit so uh, before we get started we want to shout out Mr. Day Dropping uh, he was supposed to be here today but he's a family man he had to take care of some business so shout out to him happy holidays I uh, love to hear what he uh, rates these songs maybe he can put that in the show notes or something and also I'm going to keep my eye on Skype as I am talking here because we may be joined by a special guest, uh, Mr. Philip Lassiter. Uh, he is part of the MPG Horns. No and, way. Uh, he, what? Yeah, what? we're gonna see if we can get him on. I've been, we've actually, I've actually been work, talking with him for months uh, to come on the show just in general, but schedule is always sort of all over the place. But uh, he may be joining us today, so we'll see. Um, I know he's flying right now, so shout out to Philip. But we'll try to make that happen. All right, let's get into this album, Hit and Run Phase Two. I must say that it was released December twelfth, two thousand fifteen. Uh, it is exclusively well, actually, not anymore, I believe. But it started out exclusively uh, on the title service. Shout out to Jay Z. Uh, it is the second part, I guess companion piece to the hit and run phase one album that came out actually if you go on to title if you're a streaming member uh those albums seem to be joined together as yes. one uh, yes. volume one volume two which is interesting um i believe now you can actually purchase uh phase two off of title and i believe itunes has it now uh no word yet on a physical release uh to stores but Without further ado, and we'll talk about it as we go, let's get into this album. We're just going to start from the top. We're going to start with the first song on the album, which is Baltimore. And um, with a lot of these songs, and I'll try to point them out as we go, a lot of these songs we've previously heard or have been previously released, maybe in slightly altered versions, uh, some wildly different. But uh, that's something to note. So Baltimore, of course, this is the song that uh, debuted Earlier this year, I want to say back in May, uh, and Prince uh, debuted the song on Title, and it was a song that was dedicated to you know the the situations that was going on in Baltimore here in the United States with uh, Freddie Gray um, and, and that whole situation. Which you know, if you listen to some of the other shows, we've talked about that, and of course you're online, you see it all the time. So Prince is 
giving his sort of commentary or his take or tribute, whatever you want to do it, to the situation in Baltimore. So I'm going to go to Big Ken first and yeah. uh, give us your thoughts on the song. Well, yeah, like you said, uh, yeah, this track, when it first debuted, I think you were right, maybe it was May or June, somewhere around that time frame. You know, I remember kind of glossing over it at the time. And, uh, you know, at that point, I was like, I heard it and I thought, well, I was kind of indifferent. You know, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just okay, right? So now you fast forward to now and, you know, at first I was a little taken aback by the fact that this would be the lead off track for this album. Mm. But, you know, I kind of just like, okay, I just let it go and just, you know, just started trying to vibe to it a little bit more. Subject subject matter wise and lyrically, it's cool. That, that stuff is on point, the messages he's trying to get across. But initial listens to me, the music just wasn't strong enough to, you know, to, to, to grab me at first. But then the more I listen to it, man, it seems like my, my stance on it has changed somewhat because right around that 215 mark, you know, when they start that whole, you know, if there ain't no justice, then there ain't no peace, you know, that chant. Once it hits that chant, it seems like something in the, in the, the, uh, the makeup of the song kind of changes a little bit. It kind of starts to get a little bit funkier, for lack of a better term, right? You got the hand claps, you got the, the chant, you know, he's doing some things on the guitar, uh, you know, kind of like uh, on the acoustic guitar. And then you got the string, the string parts in the background, which actually complement complement the song pretty well. So much so that sometimes when I hear hear it, and I'm not sure if they're real strings or not, sometimes they sound like real strings, but then in other parts they kind of sound like they could be string patches on the synthesizer, but I'm going to assume that they're real strings for now. Certain parts of that, especially as it gets closer to the end, actually kind of remind me of Under the Cherry Moon, some stuff from that period in terms of how the strings are, are arranged, right? They're not hmm. on that level per se, but it just kind of you know reminds me of it a little bit. So overall, man, I mean, the song has grown on me quite a lot, you know, over the over the the, the last couple of weeks that I've listened to it, and uh, I, I think much high, much more highly of it now than I did on my initial listen. You, you know, I'm kind of right there with you, but I would add uh, the strings; they are real, actually. I think they're called String Genius. Uh, okay, StringGenius.com. You can see them. But um, I was like you; I remember hearing the song when it had initially come out, but I remember when it was online and I was like, okay, I was sort of used to seeing Prince put these songs online. And, and because of the nature of releasing songs like that, for whatever reason, I don't necessarily pay as much attention to them because it just, if I'm not paying attention to it, I'll kind of hear it as happenstance and I don't really focus on it like I would a proper release, if that makes any sense to anybody. So I actually heard the song, for the first time on the radio back then, I was at work and it was a college station where we listened to. And the song came on and I'm just, I, I didn't even pay, I'm not paying attention to what the announcer saying. This is the new Prince or whatever. I just hear it. And there's just something about it. I was like, something's familiar about this. I don't know what it is, but why does it sound like something I would know or something? And I started listening to it and I heard his, and I heard the voice. I was like, is this Prince? I was like, it doesn't sound like Prince, but it does. You know, that kind of weird. It's like, I said, let me, and I looked on their website. Oh, this is Baltimore. I was like, damn, they're playing this on the radio? (laughs) And it it made me pay attention to it because I was like, wow, let me, and I was like, this is not bad. It was, if they had never said who it was, I would have not have known who it was. It would have just been something sort of familiar to me about it. 
So I and I never really paid much attention to it after that. I just said, okay, it's cool. It sounds like some other kind of style that I wouldn't necessarily associate with Prince. But now hearing it on this album, and I really sat sat down and paid attention to it, it's actually a pretty good song. Uh, and I, I, the way I said song, like I'm trying to say, it, but. It's a it's a good song. It's just that uh, I'm with you. I wouldn't have seen it be the lead off track, and I think there's parts of it that um, just seem kind of plain or something. I don't know. It, it sounds brilliant though to me. I like the strings are really good. I love the strings and I love the guitar stuff. The thing that really jumped out at me was this song is mixed very well. Like I was like. Yeah, this this, this yeah, sounds this. really good. You know, I was listening to some headphones. Like, this is dope. Like, it's not all too. It's not mixed super hot or blown out or anything. Like, this is really good. I could see falling into it and really liking it. And it's just one of those songs. I think over time you start to really appreciate. And I'm all on board with the theme of what he's talking about on the song. I'm amazed. I was like, man, Prince is going into this realm. I, I love it. Um, so I, I, I like the song. It's growing on me. That's what I would say. Uh, big sexy. You know, Ken used a phrase, and you just used another phrase, that just really capture what I'm thinking about this song. Um, first of all, Ken used the phrase tribute, and you used the phrase starting to grow on you, grow on, on you, on me, technically. One thing that stands out about this song for me initially was I'm not one for songs of a cause because I think things like that are generally personal. However, when you're a public figure and people are looking at you to make a stance or take a position one way or the other, and he did. You know, I mean it could be it could be a stance, it could be a tribute, it could be a lot of things, but he he spoke on it. And you know, you have to respect that just from a from the creator standpoint. Now, within the song, again, when it first came out myself, like you guys, I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I didn't really give it a good listen until I picked up the uh, phase two. And the first thing that hit me was the girls or the background singers who are doing Baltimore. They sound directly like the same people who were on last December of Rainbow Children. I mean, to me, it could have been the same recording session. And having said that... <clears throat> Musically, you don't really hear a lot of Prince's voice out front, but it is mixed very well. And I'm noticing the introduction, at least in his lexicon, of a, and this will be repeated a lot throughout this review. He, I'm hearing a lot of flute. And I don't really recall him using a lot of flute before. I, I know Eric Leeds plays flute, and I don't know if Eric's involved in this or not, but this one has flute, and a lot of the other songs have flute too. But to start off a project with this, with this particular you know choice, it's curious at best. But again, it's something that people know. But also, there are things on here that are older. I'm not saying that he's you know going on the cheaper and rehashing things by any stretch. So there are things that have been released before singles. But I just question the choice of this one being the first one. Having said that, it's not a bad song. I mean, I, I, it's really not. It's, it's constructed well and recorded and produced well, and it's it's not bad. I mean, it's not a standout track for me, but it's not something I would skip either. So I, I did enjoy it. 
All right, yeah, and you know, shout out to uh, there's a whole sort of story behind it which we won't get into, but Aaron, what's her name? Aaron Allen Kane is the young lady who you hear on the vocals, and, and Prince flew her out to the studio, I guess on a moment's notice, and she she put it down. So, shout out. I to will her. say this though, I'll, I'll echo one point that you guys both made. The mixing in this song is very good, but I do notice it seems like. And it's not necessarily a complaint. It's just that you could tell. It seems like there's, there's a lot of variation in the mix of a lot of these songs mm. through this album, right? Yeah. Like some are mixed like really well, like this one. And then there's some where, and then we'll get into those later. And I even noticed that some on, on phase one as well. So it's not really a complaint. It's just an observation. I think, though, this song would have been would have worked better toward the middle of the album, okay? But I think part of it is that it... It's the the power of the song is diluted slightly only because we've heard it before, you know. And like you said, Mike, you know, I, I agree with you when you when you release tracks like this. And this is just a byproduct of the digital age we're in. I think, man, when you release a track like one off, right, you know, and and you don't hear it in the context of an album, you know, it's just gonna it's gonna play differently to the listener, man. So I just think that that's the one drawback against it. But it is a good song, though. It, it took a while to for me to arrive to that point, though. Yeah, you know, just on a wishful thinking, it would have been a blast and very interesting if if Baltimore <coughs> would have been the title of the album or or this song set the tone yeah. for the rest of the album. It would have been yeah. very interesting to hear what he would have done, but that, that's another time, another day. Next up is, uh, let's see, what song we got here? Rock and Roll Love Affair. All right, this is another song that uh, we've heard before. Uh, somewhat extensively. Um, gosh, this goes all the way back to like 2011, 12, 2012, early 2012. Um, I, I liked the song when I first heard it back in the day. You know, he had a video for this song. Yep. Uh, he performed a song on TV, I want to say. Um, it features basically Prince and like Andy Allo. And I liked it back then. I am a super fan. I still bump it to this day. There was, uh, I think it was called Rock and Roll. Love Affair Reloaded. It was like a remix version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we've talked about this before. I love that. Bro. I, I, I still bump that. So to hear this, and I always wondered why it never showed up on any album. You know, I think he's had a couple albums since this has come out. Um, so, But here it is today. It sounds like there have been some added elements. I think the horns sound different. Or more, there are horns here. They're crisp. There's a lot of different sort of smaller things going on that I don't think was in the original versions. And I still like the song. I think it's a great song. Um, Again, the only thing is it's the second song in the album, and it's a song from like three years ago that if you are paying attention to Prince, you didn't already, you know, played this one out, in my opinion. So I love the song. I just sort of wish it could have you could have had another newer song on here or something that we had never heard before that's my only thing uh big ken you know i i I agree with you for the most part i'll just say this that to me you know this song is kind of like the prototype you know prince pop radio track right it's kind it's kind of in the vein of something like cream or, or raspberry beret although i don't think this is nearly as good as those two but i'm just saying it's that type of song i like it it's okay but I just think, you know, that that slight country twang, you know, to the guitars and the style of how they're played that, that you hear throughout the track, it just throws me off ever so slightly. But it's not enough to dislike the song. It's just an OK track to me. 
you know, I end up skipping it for the most part. It's skippable to me. Let's put it that way. And mm-hmm. even when I when I first heard it, you know, like you said, it you know, this this goes back a couple years. You know, he did. A, I remember seeing him on uh, Jimmy Kimmel doing this live. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it sounded pretty good in the live setting. This version is nice as well. It just doesn't. It's not a standout. It's just okay to me. All right. Wow. Big sexy. You know, I like it. I remember when this first came out a couple of years ago, and I saw the video. Now, now, full disclosure, I had not seen Hannah before this video, and she stole my heart right then and right there. I'm like, okay, who is this? And I'm watching this song. I look up. I'm like, there's Aviella. What's up, girl? You know, and I re-listen to the song, you know, over and over, and I still like it. I think it's it's in that vein of cream and raspberry beret, and I hate to say the phrase radio friendly, but it is. But it's it's a good little tune. I I really like it. And you know, if he tours with a band, not saying that I do not like the Third Eye Girl because I do, but if he tours with the band and the you know keyboards and horn sections, I would love to hear this you know in concert. I really like this song. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, none of us mentioned, you know, it sort of has that take me with you kind of thing in there. That dun, 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 dun. I don't know if I'm doing it right. Um, but I, one thing that seems odd, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Prince Vault, but they say that the drum player on this is actually John Blackwell. Oh, I know that. interesting. And, <clears throat> and, a, and a few of these songs, which I assumed with Hannah, are ultimately not her playing on them. Uh, now, I don't know if they've been redone with her, but... Uh, we'll get into it as we go. All right. <clears throat> so there you go, rock and roll love affair. Next up is uh, T. Excuse me, two Y two D. Too young to dare, too young to dicks. But this is another wow. <laughs> <laughs> like old Prince. You wouldn't know what he's what is he about to say. Um, so this is another song that uh, actually is again another song that dates back. Uh, for a few years, um, let's see. This song actually says it came from like 2011. Um, there are two versions of the song. Apparently, there's the version that we hear on this album, which I think was the original sort of version, and then there was another one that he did with uh, Third Eye Girl, which is different. Um, but let's get into this song. So, actually, I'm going to let uh, Big Sexy start. You know. <clears throat> I'm going to show my age on this a little bit. Uh, when I hear that first part, dun, 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 I could have sworn I'm thinking, do I hear Proud Mary? From I can see the turner. I just expected to go, dun, 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 dun. like, okay, okay, but we're not doing that. And again, it kicks off again, and I hear flute again. You know? <clears throat> again, I don't know who's playing flute. I'm going to have to look that up. But I hear the flute. I hear a lot of baritone sax. And this one, you know, Mike mentioned it was you know an older track, and it's it's sounds like it. It sounds like something, and I'm gonna just take a guess. It sounds like something from the Vault era, era back then. You know, like late '90s. You know what? I thought that too. That's, it sounds like it could I got fit right I got a that. comparison track to it that that when I hear it because it's got that driving beat, right? Although you know, it's, again, the way it's mixed, it's not as hard as the one I'm about to mention, but it it reminds me of 319. You know, with that mm. driving, that driving beat and, it, and the, the mm. beat is like, you know, up tempo driving, you know, it, 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 yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of 319. But 319 is, you know, with the guitar and everything is much harder, but it's still similar in, in, in vain. But anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. That's a great, great uh, comparison. You know, and again, throughout this song, 
and maybe because I used to play baritone sax in junior high, I just hear it. I hear it coming all the way through, and I like the Too Young to Dare references, and this one is, is a skipper for me. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't reach out and grab me like the first two did, and... Having said that, you know, construction-wise, construction, construction wise, it's well done. I like the music. I really don't care for the lyric structure, but I really like... I mean, if this was an instrumental, I'd be happy. But I think the lyrics could have been better and could have been presented in a different way. But other than that, I don't have, I don't have much to offer on this one. Yeah, it's a skipper for me, unfortunately, too. I just think that it's been done before and done better. Because uh, I think of that album... The Vault, Old Friends for Sale. A lot of those songs, the way they were, they were. This is it. Reminds me of that type of style. It's interesting that it does remind me with Three Nineteen. What you said is just that the instrumentation is different, but it's the same kind of a song and you know, with the horn and stuff. So I get what you're saying on that, Ken. I just, I don't know something about this. It just, I've heard so much Prince in my life. Music. When I hear this, I'm just like, yeah, this is cool. He he does so much better, and I've heard this style. This is that style of, you know, to me, Prince has a genre, the, the bad bitch kind of <laughs> songs where, yeah. you know, the girl, that's a bad girl. Da, da. So I've heard, you know, there's so many other versions of this before. So to me, this almost seems like it's too slow or something. Like, it just, it's not enough energy in it to me for some reason. Um, but, yeah, I, I skipped this one. It's not horrible or, or terrible at all. It's just that, and eh, it's cool, and I probably won't listen to it that much. Uh, Big Ken. You know, I, I'm the opposite. I actually like this song uh, a lot more than you guys. In fact, to me, I would I would classify this as well, outside of Baltimore. This is really the first standout. Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's like the, you know the best ever, but I do like the beat. And like I said, it does remind me of 319. You know, I like that that four note vamp that happens like you know every four measures. You know, the dun dun dun. You know, he does that. It runs throughout the song, and then Prince is you know. Too, too Young to Dare vocal on the choruses fits real nice with that. You know, that Too Young to Dare, you know, with the slight reverb on it. It's pretty, that's pretty tight along with the vocals. And then, like you said, Big Sexy, that baritone sax, those little, those little part, that little part through the baritone sax throughout kind of reminds me of, of Boys and Girls with the way uh, Eric Leeds does his little, you know, sax stuff throughout the song. It's not like a full straight up solo. It like complements the, the lyrics and stuff. So overall, I like the song a lot. I mean, I, I do agree that it probably would sound better in a live setting. I think what your problem might be, Mike, with it is it probably sounds too, uh, maybe maybe it sounds too clean. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not enough. It's not enough. You know, like you said, it's not enough energy because of it's just a studio a studio set, setting. Like I said, maybe in a live setting it might be different. You might have a different reaction to it. But overall, it's a pretty good song. Right. I listen to it. All right. On to the next. Uh, look at me. Look at you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start right here. I'll just say, you know, I, I like this song a lot. It's that smoothed out, you know, mellow groove. And I, this is going to be sound weird. I, I really think this is good. But there's something about it that, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's just this weird. I don't say I don't like the song because I do. I just feel like. Prince has done this before, or it just sounds, <clears throat> it sounds like, like if this was anybody else doing this song, I would be like, 
yeah, this is the shit. Like, this is a cool joint. Like, you know, it comes to mind of a, you know, it's easiest to say a D'Angelo or any of those sort of soul artists from the past 10 years. But I just feel like he, musically execution, this is perfect for that type of style. I just have to come to grips that I still don't really want to hear Prince. In my mind, the princess this is an unfair thing to say. I don't know if I really care to hear him do this, though he does it very well. It's just like, I don't know if this is really his style, but who am I to say what his style is, if that makes any sense? It's like it's done perfectly. Like, you know, it's almost too perfect. I think that's the thing. It sounds like, oh, I'm going to do that mellow, you know, style, maybe some things he may have been listening to. And, you know, the, the the keyboard thing comes in at the exact moment it's supposed to come in, right? And it plays it exactly the way you think it should be played. And it's got the, you know, the mellow sax kind of dude. And it's just like, it's just too, like, by the numbers. And not enough uh, unexpected excitement into it. So that's the only thing I would say about it. Because to me, Prince is a, is a perfect musician. So, but I don't necessarily want to hear him do, like, perfect sort of renditions of these styles you know what i mean um so that's that's the only so i think it's great and i think it's perfectly done it's just that it's not uh differentiates itself enough that i probably won't listen to it that much and i think he's dope on it i mean he's, his voice is great everything is great so i sound crazy right now you do sound really <laughs> crazy right now i'm sitting here i'm sitting here thinking to myself man the listeners are gonna be confused as hell i'm confused but i don't know how else to, to explain it like i said it's 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 executed perfectly um which i come to expect so basically you're saying it's dope but it's whack i'm not saying it's whack I'm just but saying, it's whack, but it's dope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it is it is it's done perfectly. It's just nothing daring there. I hate you, bro. I'm yeah. just messing with you. <laughs> I don't know. Go ahead, man. Oh well, look, I, I I like the song, man. Personally, to me, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we've heard him do this kind of stuff before. Yeah, is it is it revolutionary? No, but. To me, it's, it's it's that slow, slower, down tempo kind of pimped out funk. Very true. You know, I mean, it, it's it's like a distant a distant cousin to to strange relationship. You know, if you listen to the bass, li- mm-hmm. just pay attention to the bass. I, I hear you. I hear it all the way. I mean, he's killing it with the with the bass thumping. I mean, and you like you said, the vocal tone is real smooth. It blends well with the vibe. They got a nice little. You know, keyboard solo in there and the horns with their little accentuations. And then he's got some dope lyrics in there, like that one line, you know, even Ray Charles can see you, Stevie Wonder can too. Mm-hmm. Thoughts well up in wonder, thinking about me and you. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it, to me, it's just ventured smooth prints, man. You know, I and you could you could give this song to a lot of a lot of younger cats of D'Angelo's, a lot of other ones, and and they could probably put an extra spin on it, man. But to me, this is this is a great song, man. I I don't have a problem with it at all. I think it's it's pretty tight, actually. All right, just focus on focus on the bass on the that bass thumping, man. That's 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 tight. <laughs> well, you know, initially when it comes on, it reminds me of uh, Dear Mr. Man a little bit. Yes, probably more so the lighter yes. version. But this, that's what I've heard him do this before. So it's not that it's not dope. It's it is because he's dope. Yeah, no, so. I hear you, bro. I hear you. Uh, go ahead, big sexy. Yes, 
that's what it was driving me to. Dear Mr. Man, it sounds just like a, you know, can you use the phrase distant cousin? This sounds like a, you know, a brother from around the corner. I mean, I, I like it. <clears throat> and again, we've got more flutes, which is fine. And this time we have an introduction, at least to me, of, of a Fender Rhodes piano. And I don't think I've ever heard that before in his music, at least heard it prominently. And it's like you both said, this is very smooth. I can see a D'Angelo or a Maxwell doing something like this. And, but, he, but we've seen this out of him. You know, we saw it on Dear Mr. Man. And there's another song that's in my head. I just can't think of it. But another song from like the Vault era, you know, right back, you know, Chaos and Disorder era, right in there. I can hear, you know, something that harkens back to that time for me. But again, having said that, it's smooth. It is sexy, not dirty. You know, I enjoyed it, but there's there's nothing special about it. I mean, we've we've heard this. Let let me let me interject two points here. Just just two points. One, I will say this: this this song, this style of song, if you really think about it, is not that far removed from all the stuff that he was doing around the Rainbow Children period. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. In fact, I remember. I remember, and you guys probably remember it too. Um, when he was not, I think this, I think Jay Leno was still the Tonight Show host at that time when he had the band and they did a version of, of uh, Ballad of Dorothy Parker, Dorothy Parker, all jazzed up and stuff yep. on, on the Tonight Show. This reminds me of that, although this is much funkier than that in terms of with the bass thumping and whatnot. But I'm just saying this is not that far removed from that. So, you know, just that's just one thing to note. But here's the problem, too, man. You know, and again, I'm not I'm not hating on either one of you. So, you know, don't please don't take it out of context. <laughs> but but you realize, though, this is this is this is the plight of, of Prince. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. we we as fans, I'm going to include myself as this. Now, now, now we're saying that this stuff is dope, but we've heard it before. I mean, this stuff, this song right here is probably better than 99% of the crap that's on radio right now. But we're going we're gonna to down at a point or two because we've heard it before because we want to hear rev- revolutionary stuff, you know, every time that he come out with stuff. Just like these clowns complaining about episode seven because, you know, it goes off, you know, it's based on some stuff we sing with New Hope. So what? It's a great movie. Same thing here. It's a great song. We should appreciate it for what it is now. Just guide the bass. Listen to the bass. The bass will set you. Just, right. just no. Guide, see the thing just is, guide I think the bass line n- all the way through. Neither one of us saying this is a bad song or anything. No, I, agree. I know. I know that. I know that. I'm just saying. It's just I, that I probably won't listen to it as much because of what the reasons why I said because I've heard this sort of thing from him before. So it's not that it's not good. It's just that for me, I probably won't play it as much because I've heard things that before like this so there's no need for me to re-listen when you say to heard it. before you mean heard before from him uh, well you, you brought others? up well you brought up um what i distinctively said earlier was that it's sort of like him doing a other style you know yeah, yeah. And, and so that's cool because uh, yeah. you know hitting the first album hit and run he's doing other people's styles a different style and he did it very yeah. well but I don't necessarily listen to it a lot not that and it's yeah. not that I don't like it it's just that you know uh, I hear you I'm not, I'm not believe it or not I'm actually not disagreeing with either one of you it's just that the, the truth of the matter is Prince been in this game for how many years now oh, 30 sure. some odd years well these so, are the problems a guy like him will well, he doesn't have exactly, problems but exactly. these are the issues we've the fans heard, will have yeah. we've heard everything that he everything that he's done we've heard probably better or you know different versions that he's done Right. That's what I'm saying. Our expectations are always just, you know, inflated. And I, he's one of the few artists, man, 
that that gets you can that, even have this kind of conversation with, with, though, too, right? So that, I mean, yeah. that's a good thing because again, most artists you can't have this kind of conversation. Oh no, exactly. Most people are not even going to come close to anything like this. That's what I'm saying. He he, we have we have this discussion with every time he comes up with something new, right? right. And we we compare it to what we know, right? And so, but it's all good. He, all right. He cool. All right. So the next uh, track is Stare. You ain't like that one either, did you? No, uh, come playing. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a song that came out, I believe, earlier this year. Um, I think it was on Spotify first. Yeah, it was on Spotify actually in July, and then you know moved over to uh, once he pulled all of his stuff off of Spotify and all the other services, put everything on uh, title, and it was the first. Uh, I think it was the first pick of the week that Prince Purple Pick of the Week was was Stare actually, and now it is on this album. And, you know, we talked about this on another podcast, but I will say this. This is this song has the t- stood the test of time because I immediately was on it when it first came on uh, back in the, earlier this year. And I still have been playing it ever since. It's the one song of the new songs that I continuously sing to myself all the time. there. There's a, there's a line I, I find myself saying, "Sister, freak me." It's <laughs> the thing that he says. This song is fabulous. This is like the slice of that Prince that you ask anybody what Prince is, and if you play this, it will fall right into what they. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Prince. Like no one, no one can do it better. It's a DLC shout out. This is. That sort of song. It was like, I put it up there, and some of you call this blasphemy. I put it up there with Kiss. I put it up there with uh, Alpha Street, those those great lead-off singles that he used to have that would just blow your head. Like, Whoa. This, to me, is one of those songs. This is a very simple song, which I think is great. You know, it's essentially just a loop of that bass with the drums and some horns. And then my man is just doing his thing on the vocals, uh, backgrounds, what he's talking about. It, this is perfect Prince to me. I love this song. One of my favorite from the album. Uh, I would be curious to see him do this live. I think it would work as well. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, It's his style, but it's that Prince always has like, it's a very weird timing and just that weird kind of Something that no one else could do this type of song and 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 it not be like, oh, you're doing some Prince and you can't do it as well as him. This is Prince being Prince. I, I love this song. I don't know how it came to be, but this is my favorite song on this record because I just think that it's essentially the Prince I grew in love with. And obviously he still got that in him to do it. So I, I love this song. Uh, Big Ken. I'll agree and just say that, you know, this, you know, like you said, from the moment I first heard it, it's a stone jam to me. Uh, it is proof to anybody that Prince can can still funk it up at the drop of a hat whenever he wants to, man. It's it's, sim- it's a simple song, but it don't need to be complicated, right? I mean, the ba- again, ride the bass all the way through to the end. The bass is dope. Okay, I mean, he got the, those guitar chords laid on top, man. And I'm going to tell you something. It's, to me, the horns make this song, man. Yeah. Okay, throughout. And, and I absolutely love, and I say love, 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 love. Love that little fanfare that they do every now and then throughout the song. You know, that, that dun 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 dun, yeah. dun 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 I mean, that is tight. 
I don't know whether he came up with that. If, if you get Phil on the show, ask him, did, did the horns come up with that? Did Prince come up with that? He, he's not on this that? song, unfortunately. Okay, well, whoever came up with that, that is so dope, man. Okay, like you said, it's a very nice, that the Kiss riff was thrown in for a minute. That that was very cool. I, I'm with you. I could I could see them blowing this up live. I would love to hear this, uh, like an extended version of this where they could just stretch out even more. But I have no complaints on the song. To me, this is probably the best track on the album. This is the album cut for me. Word, word. Big Sexy and Sack. All right. I got a lot on this one. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing, and I'm going to give a little obscure reference here. <clears throat> when the bass comes out, boom, 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 boom. That reminded me of a song from David Lee Roth off his second album called Stand Up. And I played it earlier, and there are similarities. Now, I'm not saying Prince stole it. I'm not even implying that. But the bass player on the Roth song is Billy Sheehan, who is a very, very, very accomplished bassist. So it would not surprise me if that, if he, heard, that he may have heard it somewhere in passing and, and uh, is influenced by it. Having said that, you know, moving on, you know, I love this song. You know, because in the interview from Ebony that was taken down, he mentioned that he's been playing a lot more bass lately, and you can hear it right here in this song. And he uses a phrase lyrically that the young people are using that I don't understand, but he said, you got that thirst. I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? But <laughs> whatever, you know, and it's got that, that funk beat to it, and maybe because he owns his masters now, he can do what he wants because when he threw that kiss sample on him, like, uh-oh, hey. And then he ratchets, ratchets it up a notch. He pulls out the sexy dancer. And I've been playing this one all the way back from South Lake to here at the, at the you know, sexy HQ. You get to that one part where he's all, um, the sexy dancer sample, and it's all, oh, no. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me get on the floor with this one, because that is the cut. This should have been the lead single. And that's not a disrespect on Baltimore or anything like that. You leave the album off with this. I have your attention now. Okay? Now I have your attention. Let's get it on. This is not the best song on the album to me, but it's number two. I mean, it's funky. It's This gets a lot of airplay with me now, and um, I can see it getting tons of airplay down the line. Because there's no flaw to it. I take that back. The only nitpick I have is the horn section. I think they're playing in too low of a key. I think if they were up, you know, maybe, you know, a step or half a step and be a little more bright with the brass, it'd be even funkier. But that's just a, you know, stylistic nitpick for me. Otherwise, the song is slamming. Yeah, this, this is a good track. You know, when it first, uh, I think it was back in September when he first sort of put it out there. It seemed to imply that it was going to be from an album called Free Yourself, which uh, that song is, is another one of my favorite songs. It's sort of mad it's not on his album. So I don't, I don't know. You know, he seems to change a lot of things a lot of times. But, yeah, this song is definitely on fire. Like, you got it. You got one right here, sir. <laughs> yeah, this, you know that you do that a little too well, Mark. <laughs> it's a, I'm a little concerned over here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is a jab. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next song. So the next song is called Extra Lovable. And uh, we have talked about this Extra Lovable Reloaded before. And now here it is again. It's actually on an album. 
you know, we have to throw out there, and of course, hardcore fans will know the original Extra Lovable song dates all the way back to like 29 years ago at this point, which sounds crazy. Um, that's like 1982. And, you know, for those who have the bootlegs or heard unreleased songs, you know, you've heard this song on there. This is from around the 1999 album era of Prince. And so now we have this newer version that he's, I think this new version was from 2011. Um, I remember uh, he was, I remember Dr. Funkenberry said there was a 25 minute version, live version of this, which still has not come out to this day. And Prince even alluded in an interview back then that um, there were three versions of this song and that he was going to release all three of them. And I think he said the original version was going to be one of those three. Now, of course, that ain't never, that ain't nah hit the nets. Because <laughs> it would be all over. But uh, so I'm hoping he still follows through with that. But then there was the version, uh, Extra Level Reloaded, um, that came out. Uh, and I think it was for sale at a certain point. And now there's this version uh, as well. I, I will say this. There's a lot been said about this song. I actually like this version. Um, as a quote-unquote purist, I love the original, but the original is from a time that you can't touch that. There's just no way they're going to, unless he just puts that out, there's nothing you can do that's going to match that, right? Uh, I think even in that Ebony article, which we'll, we'll get into, Prince alludes to songs recorded back in those days and being able to recreate that or not. I, I'm one that he can't. Uh, do it person that's my opinion so i take this as a new body of work and you know ultimately he never released that other one so this is the official version and i still like this you know i i love this because the other part about it is this works in the way that it's recorded today and it and it illustrates and you know very much shows you the difference between you know a 1982 print song and 2015 the differences are that the execution of the production is different. The sounds are different. But the beauty of it and the genius of it to me is this is a quintessential Prince song. And it don't matter when it's recorded, even 29 years later, at its core, it still is that dope-ass Prince song that it don't matter if, you know, Prince is an older guy and has been through so much and changed so much with his production styles. You can't take you, you you still can't strip away what makes this a dope print song. To me, it's the same thing with like a lot of the time material. I don't care who records them songs or plays them live. This shit's gonna be fire because there ain't no other way to play seven seven nine three. <laughs> ain't no other way to play the bird. This shit's gonna be jamming, even if the band you know is a a a, a, a polka band or something. You, you what? Hallelujah! It's only you know what I'm saying. It's only some ways you can do that shit. It's still gonna be dope. So to me, this song fits in that same. This is from that era where Prince was just naturally doing fire. It was just dope. It was unique. It was his style of making songs and the way that he would sing them and, and write them is untouchable. And so even pulling it in today's world, even though it's been redone, it still retains. You, there's no way he can't do this. It still gotta go that boom. Unless you take that out of it, 
then yeah, but you can't. So to me, it's still dope. That's why I said I think it still works just as well because it's a dope ass song. So I love this version. Um, and it's again, it just shows where he how far he has come musically for better or for worse. I, I think it's for better in, in terms of um, a guy that knows so much musically. You know, he would the the prince in this. Uh, he, he talks about this in the, the, in the interview. You guys over psychoanalyzing me or whatever. But listen, <laughs> the prince from back then, the knowledge that he had musically, he made work with what he had. The music, the prince of today, what he knows musically is so much more, and he's been through so many different things. It's gonna sound like this. It's supposed to sound like this, and it's not a bad thing. That's that's dope. That's like. You can see the progression. The last thing I'll say, and I'm sort of being funny, but I'm, I'm, I'm being real here. The Prince from the original version, that was a young dude. You know, he was just about to blow up, superstardom. He's, as he was said in one song, he was thirsty, <laughs> hungry, horny, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and didn't, you know, didn't have all the resources. He just had what he did and he made his own shit. The Prince of now... You know, he didn't went through all the chicks. He got all the money. <laughs> went around the world a few times. He's relaxed. You know what I'm saying? Like, he ain't stressing. So I'm not mad at it. You know, so I, I love this new version. I know I rambled on. Uh, Big Sexy and Sack, what do you think? You know, I'm going to go ahead and take a take my smack now. I hadn't heard this song until a few years ago where he was doing a lot of live streaming with Third Eye Girl at, at various locations. Mm. And he did this at City Winery in Chicago. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And that performance to me was just incendiary. And so every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's my song. That's my song. It's got everything I like in the song. It's got a good horn section. <clears throat> it's got a good, you know, funky beat. It's got call and response at the end, which I love. You know, one time, oh, <laughs> two times. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, let's do this, let's do this. <laughs> and this is so great, and this is something that needs to be a live staple. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of mail on this one. He has such a large catalog, and I know he's obligated to do a lot of songs, you know, all of the hits, you know, for instance, but if he took out any, well, except Kiss, hit, and put this in, I'm with it. Okay, because this, this song is just straight fire. And it's like you said, it's not the, not the people who are playing on it. It's the song itself. Now, I'm going to ask all of our listeners, if there's a polka band out there, <laughs> leader hosen that is bumping, you know, the time, I would like to hear that. <laughs> I know it, it just retains its funk character no matter, the, no matter the musicians. And this song is just amazing, you know, again. I know we've heard it before, but I don't care. I still love it. You know, I, I have it on a few um, unreleased live recordings, and I have not heard a clinker of this song yet. But the one at City Winery in Chicago, that's the one. That's a definitive version for me because it's funky. I love it. I love this, too. All right. Uh, Big Ken. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add. I, I will say I agree with you guys. I mean, the, the original, we all heard the original. It's dope. You know, and yeah, he's changed some lyrics around with this version, but yeah, this this version is funky too, man. I mean, I love the 
the horn interlude in, in the middle and, and the, the horn contributions throughout, you know, the, the little uh, guitar part toward the end, you know, and then closing the song out. I mean, I dig the song a lot. My only real nitpick with this song, really, and it's really just, again, what I talked about earlier, I think the mixing of this song is a little a little off in the sense that it's, it's it, in certain parts it seems a little bass heavy when they have, they're not, it's not quite 808, but you know what I mean? They have that extra, like, deep sound behind dun, the drums. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly, yeah. right. It sounds like either electric drums or some verse, some form of 808. That is, it, they should have filtered out the bass just a little bit on that because it, it kind of overpowers a little bit and, and bleeds into the to the real bass part when that when that's playing but other than that that's that's minor i mean this version of the song is dope just like the other couple versions man you know you know people can debate whether this version is worthy of being compared to the original and all that that's a matter of personal preference but i, I dig it a lot i think it's a good song that's a good question. I I, I want to ask that to you guys, just based on your personal preference, not you know what's better or whatever. To you, if you had, the, you know, the original version or this version, which one would you pick to listen to? Uh, me personally, yeah. me personally, I would. I, well, I mean, just like you said, as a quote unquote purist, I would choose the original version because it's just you know it's from that nineteen ninety nine. Uh, you know, time period, man. But this one is is not whack at all. I, this version is very good as well. All right, uh, big, it's big, sexy. You know, I'm going to go ahead and go Captain Kirk on this one and change the test. If it was up to me, it would be the City Winery version. <laughs> okay. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's the cut. Yeah, I, I I would pick the '82 version. Uh, now, I like the quality of this newer version better, obviously. But I just like this, you know, the other version is the tempo's faster. And I like that guitar. You know, it's not horn based, it's guitar based, right? It's just a, a little more, like, I don't know, urgent or something about it. And I think it's actually more sloppy. Like, you know what I mean? Just, it's just sloppy. No, I agree with you. You're right. This version, this newer version is probably better musically in terms of filling out the sound with the different instrument ranges and all that. But you're right. The original version was just more raw. Yeah. Like you're saying, it fits with what he said. He was hungry and, and you know, horny and all this, that and the other. That You could tell that was a young cat with a young band, you know, doing that in 82. So, yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's unfair to compare them because, again, it, the guy is a totally different man. <laughs> Thirty years later, uh, he better not sound like 1982. At this point, it would be kind of weird. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, but that's a great song. Uh, the next one, man, another another dope one to me. Uh, Groovy potential. Um, for those hardcore podcast juice listeners, you know we did a we talked about this on hard hard. Uh, damn, I ain't, I ain't even my own show. High heel boots. <laughs> But uh, so I'm not going to go into this. I'm going to start with Big Ken first. Groovy potential. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm actually fairly quick on this one too, man. In the sense that I mean, this is a previously released song. Um, you know, when I first when I first heard it the first time, you know, I liked it. You know, and I thought it was pretty good. But it's just like you were saying, man. When, when you know, we said earlier, when you release these songs like one off at a time, it's easy to lose them. Mm-hmm. Easy to lose track of them because they're not in the in the context of an album. So now hearing it in this context inside this album, to me this is this is vintage Prince man, and, and I'm glad that he included it on this album. I mean, just everything to me works: the music, the arrangement, the vocals, 
the instrumentation. It all just blends together so well. It works. It's a very high-ranking song to me, man. It's one of my favorites on this on this collection, and it's you know I, I'm blasting it full volume when I'm playing it. It's a very good song. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, 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 the last one. Trying that, I agree with everything you said because I remember hearing it when it first came out. I didn't really listen to it, and then when I finally really sat back, I was like, "This is one of his dopest." Uh, this is the second of my favorite songs in this album. Ever since I started playing this album, I sing this to myself every day. I'm just running around the house. Got the groovy potential. And it's like, uh oh, uh oh, oh. It's, it's a rap. <laughs> I, I, I love this song. Never talk about my singing again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, this is. Uh, I, I, would try to, I always try to like figure out what does this song fit? You know, like. It doesn't really sound like it could be anything in any sort of particular area or era of Prince. It just is. It just works. I'm wondering if this is a truly original song in terms of, you know, um, 2012, I guess, when it came out, or does it even date back further and it was redone? But dope song, Michael B on the drums, uh, just just amazing. The only one little thing, it's not a nitpick. It's just the, the difference to me of a Prince. If you get to the end of this song. Uh, where they go into that little vamp thing. Mm-hmm. To me, the old Prince, that would have been the host. That would have been a whole song right there. <laughs> that would have been a whole other Oh, yeah, that would have been a gateway to a whole other section. Yeah, he would. that would have been a whole song and it just been jammed. I mean, instead of just getting the last, you know, two minutes or something where they, they turn it into a jam, that whole song would have just been a jam. Uh, unlike, not unlike Stare. Like, I would not be surprised if that little riff from Stare is actually from something else. And it was like, fuck that, loop that up. That's dope. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, Groove Potential, smash, smash song. I love it. Uh, Big Ken. I mean, excuse me, Big Sexy and Sexy. I, you know, you guys love it. I like it. Uh-huh. And I'm glad, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I like it. I'm glad I got a chance to finally hear it, you know, in its completed form. I like it a great deal. But, you know, coming off of Stare and Extra Lovable is just, a, you know, a step back, which is cool. Because those two, to me, are A++. This is A+. And, you know, Ken mentioned earlier, you know, we have come to expect so much because the standard is so high. When he comes out with something that's an A+, for anybody else, I'm like, eh, I've heard better. I've heard him do better. You know, so the quality is there. And a lot of times, you know, I find myself guilty of taking that, that quality for granted. And this is a perfect example of that. You know, this is a great song, and but I've heard him do so much different things better that it unfortunately overshadows this, and it shouldn't, because it's good. It's very good. It's damn good. But it's not Stare. Sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. I can respect that. All right. So that's... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The next song is When She Comes. All night and long. Boy, the title's like that, boy. Like, well, what's this song going to be about when she comes? Because if the kid came, man. All right, when she comes, uh, this this is another dope song. Like, that, That's how I'm going to go to Big Sexy first, but I just had to say this is a dope song. I will say that this song um, actually is another older song. comes from 2011. Um, this song was supposed to actually have been a part of the Welcome to America album. 
that uh, never ever came out. Oh yeah, that album. Yeah, yeah that that one. But uh, you know, John Blackwell, uh, Michael B. Nelson, the horn players. Uh, man, so I'm going to go to uh, Big Sexy and Sack first. This has an old '70s soul flavor to it, you know, like a Al Green type yes. deal. Yes. You know, I'm hearing a lot of that <clears throat> that vibe in it. You know, with the horn section again, this is something smooth. You know, this is uh, what did what did Ronald Isley call it? Call it baby making music. <laughs> you know, and it's really goes back to what he used to do a lot more of. You know, the sexy. The sexy soul single, <laughs> and that's what this is. You know, we've got the muted trumpet in there, and it's, it's, but it reminds me of something else. I just can't put my my finger on it, but it reminds me of something else that he's done, and I ain't mad at him, you know, because he, when he captures the sexy soul vibe like this, he's a master at it. You know, it's that simple. When you can recapture that vibe from you know the middle 70s where this type of music was really really ubiquitous and you can you know bring it to to current you know listeners you've done you've done some work and he's done that here and i really enjoyed it. i hear a little bit of the falsetto that he brought back for this this is a great piece yeah you hit it on the nail i wrote this in my notes al green when it first comes on it, it i was like oh this is about to be some al green <laughs> it sounds <laughs> just like that I, I want to say this. I adore this song. And the difference between this song and what was the other song I was saying earlier? Uh, look at me, look at you. For whatever reasons, this song just seems more, I don't have the word I could say, honest or something. Like, it doesn't feel like he's really trying to um, do it perfect or something. Now, not to say this is not a perfect song. I don't know, because this, maybe it's a sparse musically and it's just the few things that is that shine to me are the vocals and the horns and the way he's singing the song and that little guitar that's in there it's just man this is dope i would love to see him do this live i know he would shut it down with this um i don't play this that much and the reason why now keep in mind i'm not the oldest guy in this room but hey. I'm, <laughs> but I but I'm up there, right? I've heard this kind of stuff before. So when somebody says sounds like Al Green, I'll probably go play Al Green mm, or okay. Ernie Isley. And it's not to say this is not dope. This is, but let's be very clear. That other shit I just mentioned is is the shit. That's that's the that's the real. It don't sound like nothing. It sounds like it. So that's the only thing. Is this is dope though? Now I would say to. Hopefully some of the younger fans that are on title and, and don't have the super musical library and haven't heard a lot of stuff. I would love that this would be like, whoa, I never, I never heard no shit like this before. This is filthy. Like, you know, I can only imagine what their sort of um, interpretation of Prince would be versus us. You know, I, I think other things when I think of Prince, but if this is one of the first sort of albums you heard and you heard this, this would be like, this is some education. Like, you'd be like, oh, shit. And you might not even know he's actually pulling this from something else. So I give him full props that this is this is some dope shit. And, and I'm maybe sort of changing my stance a little bit as we do this album as I think about it. But I'm like, you know what? Prince is kind of really showing um, 
sort of like a gateway, and maybe he's always done this, but he's really kind of, I'm going to bring these other musical styles into this album here and sh- you know, show a wide breadth of, a breadth of things. And again, I'm speaking it from a perspective of a person who may have just signed up for title and had got hit and run phase one, right? And that album was made for the young mind. You know what I mean? In terms of what's going on today and the style of that. And then to hear this, like, whoa, this is almost a very mature types of, of, of songs going on here. This song very mature to me. So dope stuff. I love it. Big Kent. <laughs> man, you guys are confusing this shit out of me. <laughs> Look, man, all I'm, go- all I'm going to say is, yeah, he's channeling his inner Al Green, no doubt. But the reality is, for me personally, this is the second best song on this album to me. This is the most beautiful thing I've heard from him in years. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a direct descendant, and it's in the it's in the lineage of Adore and When Two Are in Love and Damn You and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, beautifully deli- delivered lyrics, trademark falsetto, you know, backed by some very Gentle, but well placed horn parts. Oh, and just you guys, kind of and you guys quick. didn't even notice. You, you Is guys that an accordion? Mention, I was just about oh, to say okay. you guys hadn't even mentioned that there was an accordion in there as well. We probably what? haven't heard an accordion. Yeah. Yes, sir, an accordion and an organ in there. Okay, this is a exemplary track. Okay, I don't care if it sounds like Al Green. We heard it before. This is the shit right here. You can make two, three babies off this. <laughs> You know what I'm yes, sir. Listen closely. There is an accordion in the background. <laughs> wow, that's again, that. That's that Prince, like that funny, that funny kind. Let me put this shit in here. <laughs> Fuck with these people. I mean, you know, he's probably had. I think there was some accordion in some some of the Under the Cherry Moon tracks too, which would make sense. I mean, because it was you know a French thing and right. stuff like that. So you know, but I'm saying this is it's been that long since we've had something like that in, in this type of track, but. I mean, I was like when this, when this first came on, man. Like, see, a lot of times, man, outside of like a door and when when two are in love, a lot of Prince slow jams. You know, we we all know Prince is famous for the slow jam, man. Right, right. You know, scandalous, and you know, some of them know. You know, I have to kind of you know would have to grow on me. This one was not not at all. I remember I remember one of the previous reviews we did. What album was that from that we when you guys jumped all over me because I didn't like it? Was it was it uh, on the couch or satisfied? It was one of them. One of those slow, recent slow songs, mm. and and I didn't I didn't like it as much as the rest of the, the panel. And you guys jumped all over me, man. <laughs> this this shit will, will this is not even that song ain't even in the same ballpark as this one. To me, Al Green inspired or not, this is uh, this is beautiful. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah, this is this is this is this is very 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 beautiful song. I love it. But yeah, listen again, Big Sexy. Listen for that accordion. It's in there. I got very at the very beginning too. Yeah, so let me get this right. So Mike, you know, calls out and you know mentions the you know a polka band doing some <laughs> prints. I do believe accordions are in polka bands. <laughs> there you go. So hey, we halfway home. You might get, <laughs> we just might get that the bird version. <laughs> <laughs> As long as they chili sauce, I'm good. <laughs> Man, y'all know Prince ain't gonna let no polka band mess with none of his songs. You got to be crazy. All right, uh, moving on. Next up is uh, Screwdriver. Yeah, wow, this remember this song from uh, a couple years ago, 2012, I believe. 
And this when I you know I always think of this song I always think of Third Eye Girl because that was really how it was like it was a, to me it was like a very strong push uh, on this song he did it on TV live you know they had a video and a lot of different snippets were posted on online back in the day and stuff and it wasn't even on the Third Eye Girl album and I always thought that was odd I was like that's interesting I remember when I saw I think the last time I, talk, I saw Prince live they you know were in the midst of doing this song and. You know, it worked and everything. So here it is now, 2015. It's on this album. Screwdriver is not listed as Prince and Third Eye Girl. It's just Prince. Uh, I believe this is a slightly different version of the song. And the other interesting thing, and I mentioned him earlier, John Blackwell, for instance. This is John Blackwell on these drums, not um, Hannah Ford. And I think even when it was originally shown back in uh, December 2012, and it was on her Facebook page. I don't think that version was actually her playing it either. It was John Blackwell, uh, which, of course, you know, was sort of like her. It was pushed that it was her, her uh, rehearsal audition sort of thing, whatever. So it's interesting that, you know, a lot of these songs maintain the original drummer, as far as I can tell, uh, like John Blackwell or Michael B. Um, I, I used to didn't like this song before. Um, I've heard it so many times that I know it word for word. And there were parts in his vocal that sort of annoyed me. And I've heard that kind of, and he's done this stuff years before. He's always done it before. Just for some reason, I don't know. It just came off corny to me a little bit. And maybe because I've heard it so many times, I accept it now. So I can, I can listen to the song now on the record. And I'm like, okay, I know this song, you know, you're my, I'm your driver. You're my, well, you know, that's, eh. It's kind of corny, but I was like, you know what? It's Prince, man. I, I let it ride. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can rock with... This is the one sort of rock song on here. I'm like Billy. Got my fist in the air. Oh, hey, go ahead now. All right. All right. Do that rock <laughs> thing now. You know, so it's cool to me. I, I listen to it. Uh, it's won me over. Uh, Big Ken. You know, we discussed this song before, and, and my opinion of it remains unchanged, and, and that I dig it a lot. Uh, but I questioned... Originally, you know... When I first got this album, I questioned, like, why was it on this album? It seemed out of place, right? With everything, you know, most of the stuff is R&B, funk-driven, ballad-driven on this album. Then you have this rock number. It seemed a little bit out of place, especially considering that it was mainly, like you said, a push for Third Eye Girl. But then, you know, the more I think about it, man, this album now, as, especially as we're talking about this, this is this is really like a, a, and I'm not comparing the two directly, but this album is like a, 2015 you know version of crystal ball man where it's just like a collection of various tracks that he's done in recent years man just collected together right so i don't know if it's meant to be cohesive or not um exactly but but at the same token i like the song a lot i just would have i think this song should have been on third guy girls album and then he could have used this spot for something one of the other recent songs that you know that he's had like uh, the bourgeoisie or something you know something more recent or something that we hadn't even heard of could have gone here but other than that i mean that's just a, a minor nitpick i mean it's nitpick it's still a good song i mean it still you know holds weight now but it just to me seems a little out of place on this particular uh collection if you're trying to go for co- cohesiveness all right big sexy and sex I agree exactly with what Ken said. I think the hit and run is like <clears throat> like a crystal ball. It's got a lot of different things from different times. Now, to this version of Screwdriver, if, and I don't know if it is or not, 
if this is Donna, I'd be surprised because this doesn't sound like her her lead guitar. Especially near the end, the lead guitar sounds a little thin, like a Telecaster. Sounds like Prince's Telecaster, you know, which is fine because it's his song. He wrote it, but it doesn't sound like Donna. It sounds like maybe he did the one man band thing, you know, along with you know maybe. John Blackwell on the drums, and I've heard this song done better. I've seen it done better live a few times, but it's like it's been out there so long. He's like, let me just go ahead and put it out there officially so people can have a resource to get it officially. And this is a third eye girl song, obviously, but you know, it's still his. And this is his, you know, version of it, apparently, I'm guessing, before he involved the girls in it, you know, full on. Because it's not quite as heavy as I've heard it before, you know. It sounds a little more, a little more poppy than 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 metal, which is fine. But I'm glad it's officially released in an album configuration now. But again, I I don't know if that's Donna on this on that lead guitar. What what, what songs does this does this sound like? We've heard this kind of style from Prince. I'm, I'm thinking of the '90s too. For there's some rock song. That he always used to do or something. Yeah, he used to do this kind of style on the, the Chaos and Disorder stuff all the time, man. Yeah. Just yeah. You know, loud, raucous, kind of rock type sound. Right? Like that that one little part in the song. For some reason, I don't have it in front of me. It sounds like that's a riff from one of his other type of rock jams I've heard. But, you know, I don't know. Um, it just, that's the only thing I thought about Screwdriver. It just sounded so like some of the other rock things that he did from, in my mind, from like the 90s. And I'm trying to think of some of these songs. Like you, you mentioned the Chaos and Disorder. Um, God, you know, you got a lot of stuff, you know, Endorphin Machine, Poor yeah. Boo. Yeah. You okay. know, The Undertaker yes. yeah. and, and Last December, Xana Lee. You got a whole bunch of that stuff, man. Yeah. You it's know, that, it's same, that, that same kind of yeah, style that he, that he does. Um, so that doesn't fit fits right into that. All right, and the next song is Black Muse, and Black Muse is another one of these songs. Um, man, going back 2010, again, this is another song that was going to be on the Welcome to America project. Uh, he actually did this song during the Welcome to America tour once, I believe. Um, interesting thing, in my research, I saw that this song is actually two songs. Uh, it's Black Muse, and then the when you you hear it sort of change a little bit. There's another song that he did with Andy Allo called "A Thousand Light Years Away," which is actually the last about three minutes of Black Muse. It's a totally different song. Uh, so those so we're getting really getting two sort of tracks. And it's interesting that again, a lot, some of these songs are from this Welcome to America project. So we're finally started getting some of these songs here. Uh, I I really like Black Muse. Uh, you definitely hear the Shelby J and and Liv uh, Warfield and uh, Elise. You know, those are three ladies that he had for many years doing the background vocals. I love what he's talking about on this song. Again, if he would have just made it like Baltimore, you know, Black Muse, if you you could have had a very thematic sort of, oh, okay, you on your conspiracy brother, are you on your, you know. On some, on some some militant political type stuff, I I would have loved to hear a full album. That I wonder if Welcome to America was probably that album. We might not have been brave enough to put that out for whatever reason. I remember reading the lyrics to that song, Welcome to America, and I know they would have been on his ass if he'd have put that out. But Black Muse, I think, is very dope. It, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Sly Stone with the bass and stuff when it first comes on. Um, but I love this track. Very dope. I'm glad that this has been released. Big, sexy, and sack. 
<clears throat> you know, it does have that Sly vibe to it, Larry Graham, you know, because that was the bassist in Sly. But this one, to me, just doesn't stand up, you know, to me, to everything else thus far. You know, and for the reasons that you like it are the reasons that I don't like it. You know, I'm not a fan of, you know, the, the singers Shelby and Liv and Alicia. I'm just, they're just not my deal. And <clears throat> I think it's admirable that he gives them so much prominence. But with those three, a little goes a long way. And this is just too much for me. Otherwise, the music is that 70s type of slide line, but I just don't care for the uh, the vocal performance on it at all. All right, wow. Big Kent? Yeah, I kind of side more with, with your point of view on this, Mike. I like the song. Um, I, I had never heard this before, so I was pleasantly surprised upon the initial listen. Uh, the nice 70s kind of funk groove, great harmonies and melody. Um, I, I, I do kind of, you know, especially since I'm a big jazz cat, I, I like, you know, lengthy songs with different sections and whatnot. So this fits right into that mode. But in particular, I, I really dig the, the middle, um, of the song where, you know, you start to hit, see the Fender Rhodes and stuff come yep. in, which, which reminds me of Herbie Hancock stuff, reminds me of Stevie Wonder's 70s stuff. Um, you know, lyrically, you know, the subject matter is great. Um, you know, it's a it's a great song. I mean, it's one of the one of the highlights of the album for me. Yeah, I agree. It's just, I, I hope you know. I, I said this about the last album before. I hope he gets the opportunity to do these songs live at some point that we can hear them, because <laughs> I'm sure they definitely can play them. Um, but this is some good stuff, man. This would have been. I think this would have really worked live. Uh, There's good energy. Even in the studio versions, it almost screams that this would be better live, you know, just to breathe it out a little bit more. So, yeah, good stuff. And Andy Allo, uh, you hear her on a few of these songs, actually, sort of in the background. I didn't mention it earlier, but I, I, I like her voice. And I almost wonder, too, you know, I, I wonder if there would have been some more thematically connections going on between, like, you know, the songs in her album. Um some of these songs and of course some of the songs that have been sprinkled on um, Hit and Run and Artificial uh, Cage they had Andy Allo and you know they share a lot of similar lyrics so they connect them to each other I wonder if there was some grand and again I'm speculating grand sort of project that would have been more of a Andy Prince thing or something or I don't know I could easily see that but that could be totally off base and I'm sure I am one of those over analyzing brothers <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is Revelation. <laughs> now, I wish Day Dropping was here <laughs> because <laughs> this is unequivocally categorized as Day Dropping genre. I mean, this is like I hope we'll all agree that yeah, this you 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 need to do the thing. Go ahead and put this on. Because this song is like, whoa. And I remember when they had that Yahoo uh, live stream a couple years ago, last year or something. uh, And the girl was walking through Paisley Park, you know, and she got into the studio with Josh and he started playing these songs. This was one of those songs he played. And I remember I was like, whoa, why ain't that that on the album? What, what, What is this? What's going on with this? So now we finally get the song Revelation. And ain't much for me to say. It's fire. Like Prince did it again, man. He, you know how to put it down on a slow tip. Can't tell him nothing. He did his thing. Only 
Big Sex, you had posted something off air and you were alluding that there was a longer version of this. And yes. uh, I went and finally heard that this morning before the show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't want to just go ahead and put that on there, on the album. I mean, it doesn't matter about time constraints. It's online. But, yeah, it's a beast, man. It's a, it's a monster song. Uh, Big Ken. I don't like it, man. What? You bullshit. Get him out of here, man. I'm not feeling this at all. Uh, here, I was going to say something, but here we go. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm bullshitting, man. Come on. Come on, man. It's me. Come on now. Look, man, this song, you look, you, everything you said is, is right, Mike. All I'll just say is I find it to be a stunning song. I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it's haunting at the same time. Mm. Okay, love the vocals. You know, like he, it's like a, he's got that beautiful guitar solo. I mean, it, to me, it's an instant classic, man. I mean, this is, this is like you said early, earlier. You were talking about how you could put on certain songs, man. If you wanted to try to explain Prince to people, you know, you could put on certain songs. To me, this is one of those songs you could put on, because mm. there's not too many people, man, honestly, out there, man, that could really, that really can nail the ballad, right. You know what I'm saying? Where, where, like, after you've heard it, like, it sticks with you. There's not too many people that, that, that are very well-versed in that. You know what I'm saying? Prince has always been more than proficient at that when it comes to, to the ballad, man. So this one is, is high up there for me. All right. Big Sexy and Sack. You, you the mixtape, Slow Jam mixtape oh, dude now. Oh, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one. Let me talk to the fellows from it out there in the radio land or internet land. Gentlemen. Like Mike said, if it's time to get that thing happening, oh yeah, put this in your arsenal. This is the one. It's it's ethereal. It's slow. It builds up nicely. It takes its time, gentlemen. Just like when you're you know doing your thing with your ladies, slow. Take your time. Oh baby, don't rush this. You're not ready for this yet. Oh, just slow down there, Mike. We, we will get there. We will get there. <laughs> And this this <laughs> this song captures that vibe vibe perfectly. And baby, when you're with me, oh, it will be revelation. Oh yes, because I will take you to the next level. Whoa. All that comes through in this song. And on the 11 minute version, it's out there. Do your homework. You get even more of this. You know, this is a beast. Unfortunately, now with the music business being what it is. You know, you don't get the long-form video. You don't get the Quiet Storm radio playing something like this because this is what it's about. This is, you know, one of those songs. You know, and again, if Ernie were with us today, he'd let us know. <laughs> he'd let us know. You know, I can just hear women's, you know, lingerie just evaporating when the song comes on. <laughs> which, which is that, how it should that's be. The, that's the quote right there. <laughs> New Prince evaporating. album, women's lingerie evaporating. You know that's what happens. You know because this is the one, and this thing with about you know trying to be all excited and rush. Oh baby, no, no, we're gonna take our time here. We got all night, and boom, this is the one. This is the this is the best song in the album because it captures that emotion, that sensuality, you know that that whole sexy vibe. I'm like yeah, because when I heard the seven or eleven minute version. A few weeks ago before this came out, I'm like, okay, what is this? Where is this coming from? And yes, yes, again, the one on, on this album is magnificent, but go track down the 11-minute version and 
you know, do what you need to do, fellas. It's that simple. Yeah, I mean, I much else to be said, man. This is a this is a classic. You know, you already pulled this one out of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I just hope my only thing is I hope people get to hear it. You know, I hope somebody says, "Yo, put this on your playlist or whatever," because this is one of them special cuts. Like, can be sort of hidden on a lot of these albums. This guy's got so much work, but it's like, exactly when it's all said and done, they, they hope they don't forget this one. This, this is a dope one, man. Um, yeah, hats go off to Prince. You did your thing, boy. All right, the last song is "Big City." Go to "Big Sexy and Sack first. You know, all right, you Polaroids, let's go. <laughs> I like how he goes back to, uh, you know, reference to things he's said and done before. <clears throat> and this is a nice little song to close up the album because after Revelation, you know, you need to catch your breath. You just do. <laughs> and this one, you like, can just sit back and be like, all right, all right, let me relax a little bit. You know, I like the piano, way, the, the way the piano sounds. I like the, the sax. And for a song that closes the album when I say album because I'm old you know I like it you know talked about the big city and it's good but again I'm holding it to such a high standard because coming off Revelation how do you follow that you know I'm in the big city which is fine which is a good little piece <laughs> you know a good little palate cleanser but you know you're coming off Revelation and again you're catching your breath and you know in the afterglow of uh, whatever happened and this is good, and it's just, you know, like, it's like ending credits. You know, it's like an, a closing theme in a, in a film. You know, I can see the, the rolling credits you know, over this song as I, as I shut my eyes. So it's good, and it's okay, but it's not an outstanding track. But it's, it's a little, nice little ditty to close out the, uh, you know, I'm like the time with um, After High School. You know, just close out the album. It's good. Compared to After High School. Ah. All right, uh, Big Ken. Yeah, I like this song. I mean, I understand what Big Sexy is saying. I mean, and in truth, he could have closed the album out with Revelation. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he could have easily ended it that way, and it would have been fine. But I, I like this too, man. I mean, I, this is a good closer track, energetic, and you know, channeling that inner Sly Stone. It's got Sly Stone vibe written all over it. Uh, you know, it's just uh, something that I could see them. I could see them, you know, closing a live show with something like this. You know, and, and bringing the house down with it. So I, overall, I like it. I mean, I think it's a pretty good track. It's a nice, nice way to to to, to close the album. Uh, yeah. So there's only there's a, a lot of these songs have been out before. Uh, the song that I was probably most anticipating hearing when this album came out that I saw was on there was this song because uh, there's a live version of this song, and I want to say it's from the. Uh, that one big jazz festival uh, that they do overseas. I can't think Montreux? of it. Montreux. There's a, a couple of concerts he did over there a few years ago. And they do this song. And I fell in love with this song at that live performance. I just, I was like, anytime I'm hearing that, I'm like, that's classic Prince to me. That's, that's my Eric Leeds and, you know, those horn lines. I was like, that's it. I'm in, all in. So to me, I was so anticipating because I always loved this song. Uh, I've talked about this song before. I played it all the time. It's ingrained in my head. I was like, this is one of the, 
a new joint that to me is up there with Beautiful Night and you you said it perfect. These are this is one of those end of the show Prince concert. You know, everybody up. You know, we're gonna take it out. So this fit right into it. So it was great for me to hear a live version. I mean, excuse me, a studio version of this. Uh, so I, I, I like this song. I will say this. You know, I see this song almost like a the studio version to me reminds me of a Broadway musical or something. It sounds like the kind of music like at the end of the you know you went to this Broadway play or something and, and everybody in the cast comes out. Everybody, we ah, you know, and they're kicking their feet up. And, you know, the bright lights and, you know, and, and, and running from one side of the stage to the other in the big city. And then they go into that in the big city. You know, it kind of has that kind of, you know, it could be a lot of things. It could be, um, I think I feel this way about the song. Uh, is it everywhere that's on the Rainbow Children? He can write these songs that seem to be, they're funky, but it's like, Broadway musical funk or, you know, it could be in a movie type funk. It's very interesting. And I like it. It's a certain element of corniness to it and cuteness, uh, very optimistic sort of vibe that I get from these songs, which I like that kind of stuff. So I'm a big fan of the song. And again, I think this song, again, lyrically sort of ties back into some of that Addy Allo stuff because some of the lines they said in this song are in some of her songs. Uh, dirty little hotel room. Da, 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 you know, she sings that on some on some things. So it's interesting. I always wonder how how was this really all supposed to have come about? But um, I, I, I like the song. You know, obviously this song pulls from a different era where you had Shelby, Jay, and those guys sing. And I just think it was great. You know, it was, I think it was a great way to end the album. Um, it was odd because you know he ends it just like they did in the live version. He goes, "That's it," and it took, <laughs> and I'm sitting there waiting, like, because there's a few, maybe twenty seconds or thirty seconds of just silence at the end of this track. So I was curious if something was going to come on, but that's just a little weird thing. But I, I, I love Big City. It's a great, uh, great, great song. I think I like the live version a little better, but I still love it. All right, so that is all of Hit and Run Phase 2. We want to get our final thoughts on the album overall. We'll start with Big Ken. Yeah, like I said earlier, man, I think overall it's a great album, um, especially when you realize that it's not, it probably was not meant to be a cohesive statement, per se, like a parade or, you know, you know any, any type of album where, you know, there's a thematic, thing going on you know this is more like a crystal ball like a collection of just uh various songs from from recent time that he wanted to put into to put into a, an album release so if you look at it from that perspective it's it's very good it's a very good collection of songs a lot of memorable ones you know stuff like we said stare revelation you know big city there's a lot of quality material on this album um, so I think it's a thumbs up, man. I, I like it a lot. I like it much, much, much better than phase one. Hmm. And that's not to say that phase one was terrible, but that, you know, new style is just not for me. So I, I'm, I'm happy with phase two and him staying more closer to his roots and what he's about. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump in quickly. I, I'm happy that Prince put this out so quickly after phase one. This is what I... Two things. One, I do want this kind of thing. Like, I want him to be able to just put these albums out quickly like this. I think that is dope. 
the other thing that I will say is that I agree with the earlier statement. This is more of a mixtape to me or, or, or crystal ballish, you know, compilation of tracks. Then then to me, they don't seem to fit together. But again, that's just my opinion. It seemed like Prince, if I'm reading into that interview right, I think he said that this these songs do fit together. Like this is the the way it should be, you know, like I came up with the right flow for this. I find that interesting. Um, Cause I don't know, to me, it just seems like there's sort of different types of things. And again, for me also as well, I've heard a lot of these songs before songs before. So that sort of jades how I look at it. Um, that's the other third thing. I wish that they weren't songs I heard before. I can understand why he would do that because maybe he's looking at a bigger picture and he may be saying, well, I put this song out over here and I put this song out over there and there's a two month, two year gap between this song and that song. And maybe only so many people heard it, then they are going to hear it now. So I can get that. It's just that for people like me who are following and, and, and are, you know, sort of taking these songs in, if I was to get an album and, you know, I don't know how we didn't really say, but is it like, there might be only four new songs on this record. Four, maybe five. So the majority of them I've heard before, it sort of takes away the sort of surprise and the newness of it. Um, but I'm glad he was able to put these songs out. I will say this, different than you, Ken. I actually think Phase One is a better album. I say that only to say I think it was more daring and more brave and I respect phase one because he took a chance and did something totally against the grain what people would expect for him to do music style I'll agree with that and I give, and I give him help. credit for that because that's ultimately that's Prince to me like to do what not people are not expecting him to do if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least, you know, he's not going to be resting on his laurel. You know, I'm going to do some new shit. So I, I and then to me, it was more exciting to listen to that. I may not have I may not listen to it now or I may have had some objections to certain things. But it was more exciting to hear that because I hadn't heard any of those songs before. I didn't know what to expect. And so the experience of it was great. I was like, OK, I was like, well, you did this or you did that. You know, so I like that here. I knew a lot of it going in. And even the stuff that I didn't know, it sort of falls into the wheelbarrow of what I would expect. So that's why I was saying earlier, well, even though some of the stuff is dope and it is, you know, it ain't you ain't doing nothing, nothing, you ain't doing nothing. I'm trying. What? <laughs> Shout out Mike to Just Ice. Man, he didn't lost his mind. But, so, too many podcasts. <laughs> but down so, before loco, Mike. Exactly, but. So I'm just saying in comparison to the two albums, I think the first one is more daring. Uh, uh, this one will work better with the traditional Prince fan, I imagine. But I'm just saying the first one, that's like, okay, I fuck with that. Now, so I, I like them both, but I do like them. Uh, phase two is interesting. The only last thing I'll say, I don't know how much I will listen to. I'm curious to see how it will stay, stick with me if it does. Um, I'm waiting for the next one. And lastly, I will say, um, by looking at the Twitter account that Prince has, and it has the album cover or those caricatures of the first two Phase One albums, uh, I believe the third caricature is Prince's "Love Sexy," and the fourth one is "Purple Rain," and I think there's another one. 
So I don't know if those are any indications of the next phase. What phase three is going to have? A, is there uh, going to be a phase three? Well, there's no. I, there was no one that said that there was going to be a phase two. So who knows? Like there may be more. So is is there any indication that those are going to be the album covers? Because if it is, when he's dressed as Love Sexy, I'm dying to see. What it's going to be about. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just speculating. Big sexy and sack. What's your take on it? You know, first of all, I have to disagree vehemently that phase one is better than phase two. Now, I'll give you this. He took chances. But anytime you involve uh, an entity named Curly Fries, <laughs> you you lose me. Okay, you lose me. Now, with this, you know, this could be the you know end result of what he wanted or it could be a collection. But either way, the quality was so much better. You know, I mean, granted, we've heard a lot of it before, and stylistically, we've heard him do this before, but he does it so well. You know, he does it so well. And this is what's good and bad about the current state of the music industry. It's good because he's free to release on his schedule when he wants to, but it's bad because without a major label behind him like they did back, you know, 15 years ago, to really push this and push singles out, the the majority aren't going to hear it, and that's really unfortunate because they're missing out on some truly great music here. But this one really, really brought it home. Now I don't know if it's because he did it more on his own and lessened the influence of Josh, and that's not a burn on Josh by any stretch. You know, we'll talk about him in the you know in the interview portion, but this was more of like Prince stepping back, saying, you know, let me let me just take the reins here a little bit, and this is what we get, and I loved it. I loved it completely. You know, as much as I like this is how much I didn't care for phase one. Honestly, I didn't really listen to it that much after the first uh, week or so. This one, this one's got some legs and, and longevity to it. You know, again, Stare, Revelation, those are, those are bombs. Those are going to be around for, for a minute. Mm-hmm. And they just <clears throat> continue to rack, rack, you know, ramp up the momentum. And I think this is great. If there's a phase three, let's hear it. If there's something else, let's let's hear that too. Because he is such a prolific artist. The fact that he's one of the few, very few, who can be out there in this internet age and say, you know what, I'm going to record. It'll be out in a week. And there it is. You know, a lot of people say, and again, I'm not burning anybody, but you know, it took D'Angelo how long between albums? Come on, man. You know, I'm not saying that he's not creative because everybody works at a different pace. But this type of artistic freedom really benefits him. Because he can just come out with it, and his hardcore is like us. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take a listen to it, and if it's whack, we'll let him know. But most times, he's he's hitting it pretty hard, like with this one. So this is another this is another standout album to me. Mark, I have to say, uh, I found so much disdain in how you said curly fries because you were <laughs> <laughs> wow. such such vitriol. Can you say the name again, please? Curly fries. <laughs> oh man, you kill me! Let, them, let the kids have their thing, man. They, want... oh, they, can, they can have that. <laughs> that one they can definitely have. That's a code name. Now, how do you get to when you know you're making a name for your group and it's curly fries? Like, are they love curly fries? Not, that's an odd name. That's all I'm saying. It's just the way he said it: curly fries. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it is go. just 
No Ugh. shout out to Curly Fries. The young ladies trying to do their thing. No, there's no shout out. They got to be in the studio with the master. So. All right. So there you go. That's our phase two uh, review. We love to hear you guys, as the listeners, your thoughts. Uh, so definitely let us know. It's so funny. We were recording this. Um, I'm going to shout him out. Dial Square. At Dial Square. He's a Twitter user. Uh, as we were recording, he asked us. He said, hey, what, when is that uh, phase two interv- uh, review coming? So it's coming as we speak, sir. You will hear this and you'll say, hey, they said my name. All right. The next part of this show, we wanted to briefly talk about the Ebony online interview with Prince that came out uh, early last week. Um, And then the next day disappeared uh, as it started to make the rounds. And a very insightful interview, uh, one that we haven't heard from Prince in a while, actually. Uh, there were some meaty things going on. I remember when it first came out and started to see it and it disappeared. I actually um, got on Twitter and I asked the guy, uh, Miles Marshall Lewis. Uh, shout out to him. He's the guy who did the interview. And I was like, yo, man, much respect. That was a dope <laughs> interview. Like, wow. And I was like, but what happened? And Ebony took it down. And he just wrote me back. He said, man, Prince told him, asked him to take it down. Um, I saw that Billboard did a follow-up interview with him, and it seemed if the, the situation was Prince was saying that the things that were said in that interview were, should have been off the record, he felt, and that's why he asked for it to be removed. And it seems as if Mr. Lewis was saying there were some off-the-record things that I didn't publish, but I thought these conversations were on the record, apparently. Um, so I wanted to touch a little bit on some of the things. So first, I want to be clear. Did you guys get a chance to read this article? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, gl- I glanced over it. Um, Big Sexy, what, what are some of your takeaways? Is there anything that you wanted to bring up initially here? Well, a lot of things you know were said, and a lot of people can take, or a lot of people will take, is what he said as, uh, as being negative. I don't take it that way at all. I think he was being very candid in his responses. You know, at one point, I'm just going to jump around the interview a little bit. At one point, he talked about, you know, Clarence Clemens being compared to Eric Leeds. And Clarence Clemens, great saxophone player, don't get me wrong. But, you know, Prince pointed out, he's all, look, Clarence was a sideman, a great sideman. But he played in that 50s, you know, style like you hear on the Frankie Valley records, which he does. And for Springsteen, that's what he needs. Whereas Eric Leeds will just come out there and rip. You know, Eric is a soloist. You know, he's a jazz dude. He's a funk dude. And so it's it's two different things. Now, a lot of people would take that or will take that. Oh, man, why are you going to diss you know, Springsteen? No. He said he has nothing but respect and admiration for Springsteen as a band leader. So it wasn't anything negative. Uh, also, he mentioned No Doubt. And he said he's worked with No Doubt. Uh, Gwen Stefani's done a song with him. But they can't jam. If they're doing what they do, they'll pound it to the ground. But when you come in there and say, look, let's just, let's just rip, they can't do that. And that's a limitation on a lot of musicians nowadays. They don't have that ability to get out there and just run. And another thing, <clears throat> you know, someone mentioned how he got Purple Rain from Bob Seger. He's like, what? <laughs> I don't know where people come up with some of these things. And he said that's why he doesn't really address a lot of these things because he doesn't want to give credence to it because he's like, I don't have time for that. Because he doesn't talk a lot, people will go ahead and make their own inferences and this is what we get. And he's like, I'm not even going to address this. But one thing he did talk about was 
was Tidal and Spotify and how Spotify is 10 times the size of, of Tidal, but Tidal's still out there doing it, and Spotify doesn't want to pay anybody. Now, a lot of people have been critical of him for you know vigorously protecting his trademarks and copyrights, but again, that's his 401k. You know, and if something someone like Spotify is going to come along and just tell their people, you know what, listen to anything you want, don't worry about paying for it, we ain't paying for shit. No, you can't do that. You know, there has to be something in place to protect the artist and the musician. So when these streaming services come along and start saying, well, you're getting, you know, 90 billion hits because of your music. Okay, I'm getting 90 billion hits. Where's my taste? Uh, you know, Spotify is getting paid. You know, through their ad supports and whatever you know their income generating stream is, but it's not coming back to the artist, and that's wrong. That's like the old, and I've said this many times. It's like back in the olden days, on the uh, like in the '60s, where the musicians were getting paid, the labels getting paid, but the musicians is getting nothing. It's the same thing with, with Spotify. And so Prince said, "You know, what? I'm going to take all my music off." And the fact that a person you know, if his stature or anybody's stature wants to be compensated for their work, I have nothing wrong with that. I see nothing wrong with that. You know, and uh, there's also a piece in the uh, in the article about the, the oh geez, the Hard Rock Cafe has one of his jackets. He's like, wait a minute, I didn't give you that jacket. Oh, it was given to us from a bandmate. Really? Bring me him. Okay. <laughs> and then and he didn't say who it was, but he's all, what's the problem here, man? Oh man, some hard times. Uh huh. Okay, hard times. You know, and again, you know, we, people essentially he said, he says, um, what, what would I tell your wife? <laughs> exactly. I'm going to tell your wife, player. You know, <laughs> and he was really candid. I can see both sides. I can see how the author is like, oh, I got a you know great piece here. And I can see Prince saying, you know what? I That was just me bullshitting and saying a few things off track. I, I don't want that to come out. So I can see it both ways. But it was definitely a revealing piece. And what the one thing that caught my attention the most was, He's going to be recorded with Morris Day soon. That's something I'm looking forward to seeing if that actually happens. Yeah, just a couple of things I wanted to say. You know, I've always felt like, and again, I'm going to speculate because I don't know Prince. But it would seem to me from things that I've read and people I've talked to who have talked to him that there is the, and this is with a lot of personalities, celebrities, there is their persona you know, that we see that they want you to see. And then there's their, you know, some more of the real person that's not on show, you know, it's not on showtime or, you know, the camera's not on. I felt like this was a little bit of the, the, not the camera's not on Prince that you, you know, sort of the, some of the Prince that you heard about back from when the time used to talk about Prince, you know, or you hear all these stories from Jesse Johnson and different places. And you kind of like, I, I can't see Prince doing people, People like that. I mean, he's Prince, right? You know, he's, but he's like, it's not all roses sometimes. But that's how regular people are. I feel like a little bit of this is a, you're getting a little bit of that kind of glimpse. And I just feel like there's certain fans that they want to believe every lyric that came out over the years is like the gospel and like anything different is some, some, some sort of contradictory conspiracy or something like, oh, see, you know, they always say, he said it was free music. And like, dude, that was just like a little comment. That ain't mean, you know, live his life based off of that. And so I could see why they would possibly be like, you know what? I can't have this out there because some of these people, some of these fools don't go at me because they think that I'm, 
it, it may come across that I'm being too harsh or I'm not fitting into the, you know, the uh, idea that they have of Prince. But I think the real Prince is probably he probably would be too harsh for people or he would be too upfront. Some of his viewpoints may not necessarily gel with all of the fan base because I mean, I, mean, I look at him, he's an older dude. He done been through a lot of things that most people haven't. And he's, you know, people look up to him and different things. So his viewpoints on stuff, particularly his stuff, may not be what we want him, we would think he to be. When he talks about, you know, I grew up poor, and that sort of frames my mindset about when I see something as mine, it's mine. Now, I understand exactly what he means. Oh, yeah. But I also know that for some people, that's not, that ain't going to fit you know, into what they want to think. Like, so I understand why. So when he says that, it makes everything that's happened over the years makes perfect sense to me. I see why he wants that taken down. I see why this is a, so it makes perfect sense. I mean, the guy is based off of his experiences, kind of person he's going to be. So when he's like kind of going in on band members, I think he was kind of talking about Susan Rogers a little bit about, oh, about yeah, the, engineer. the engineer. And I think he was referencing that BBC program that came out. I don't know if that yeah. was this year's. And yeah. she talked about, you know, she went and he's probably like, really? <laughs> You, know, you ain't you ain't got you ain't got nothing to do with this shit. Yeah. You know, and he makes a valid point. It's like, you know, well, how am I supposed to take that? You know, do I need to fear for my safety? And I what think he's hell, clowning. Huh? He was probably very much clowning. You know, you've seen Prince at times when he gets that real jokey. Yeah. And he's probably was like that. Again, it's hard to get that from the rented written word because you can't you don't know the tone when a person's speaking. So I don't think he was like being like mean or anything. I just think he was like clowning like and she's supposed to come run up in here and grab my shit. Nah, hold on now. But but I get what he's saying though. It's like and and I sometimes see myself fall into that. Like we don't we don't really know his situation, and I can only imagine like he is very possessive as he should be of his legacy and different things of that nature. Um, and I don't and and to me I like I love this interview because I like to see him being just straight honest. Like I don't necessarily know if I would have done the person with the jacket thing like that but I ain't mad that that's how he wanted to do it cause oh, hey, I'd have done it like that you Fuck know that's that. his shit and I, I get it you know uh, I'm curious to who he's specifically talking about I think I know but that's another thing so oh. it, it's, it's just an interesting interview man I, the one question I, we're gonna I'm gonna get Big Ken on this too um, the one that was interesting to me though he said uh, my man said did you hear the last time album uh, what's it called again Condensate. Condensate. He said, did you hear? He says, no. You know, it was Morris playing drums and me on the bass. That's how we would make the basic track. Naked, just like that. And nobody would know. And when you put the keys on it and the guitar, that's what the time was. And it was perfect. And then he starts to talk about, you know, uh, Morris's son playing. And I think earlier in here, he just jumps in it randomly. It seems random when he brings it up. He says, I haven't heard the walk in years. And he's like, that's almost like another person playing that. I can't even, he says, I can, but I can't redo that. Like I wouldn't even, you know, trying to sound like that. And the way those songs came together, that's a whole different thing. Like it's totally different from what I'm doing today. So that was very uh, eye opening to me. It's like, on one hand, I wish he did listen to the time record. Now I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, (laughs) but I don't know. Big Ken, I'm throwing a lot of stuff out there. What do you think? Well, you guys hit on most of the most interesting points of the interview, but I, I will say this. For one, I did find the interview, <clears throat> I found it refreshing, first of all, to hear 
or, or hear the, the, the true viewpoint of Prince. And, and, you know, I actually found it occasionally funny, too, because, you know, what it made me think of it. It made me think of how, you know, we all have had family get togethers and one relative get a little bit too much to drink and start ramming off, <laughs> rambling off his mouth, yeah, just yeah. telling everybody's business. They get on one. <laughs> and they get on one, and and I, it made me wonder. Say, like, man, I wonder did, did Prince have a little cavassier or something before the interview? <laughs> because he was just he was literally all over the place. Like you know, the, the the interviewer would ask him a question, and he would start answering, but he would veer off into you know he was all over the place, man. And so and he was hitting so many topics, all of which made perfect sense when you think about it, like you guys have discussed. But I, I just found it surprising, a, a little bit uh, amusing. That he was just like you said, he was on one so much to the point that you know he probably thought better of it after it was over with and told him to take it down. Um, but yeah, man, you know that that one point you were just talking about with the, with the walk, I, I understand completely what he's talking about. You know, because I think the line he said in there that that was that was a period of time, mm-hmm. right? Like you know that was a period of time where there was a certain sec- certain set of circumstances going on with him with Morris. You know, the way they would approach constructing the sound, the way the vibe would flow in the studio or wherever they recorded it, man, it was organic, man. And I think what he was trying to say in in, in veiled terms, anyway, is that, you know, condensate, though it had some nice cuts and everything on it, was not, or I won't say it was not, maybe it was far removed from that organic process. Right. And so I, I think maybe in his mind, he don't he don't really look at that. That's not that's not really the time. So that's not really worth really listening to. Now, I don't really buy that. He didn't listen. Well, to you it. know, what? I think it's you, you hit on it. I think that's that's why he don't let him use the name. Exactly. Right. That's like, well, it ain't at the time it's me and Morris and the way that we did those songs and and I ain't involved. So and that ain't the time. So it, it can just be. You know, which I, is true. I forgot which what is, they call which themselves. Is true. The other seven. Uh, original it's seven. just going to have to seven. be the original seven because it the ain't original. the time. And so I can no, understand and, and what that is, And that's totally true. That's not, the, that's not the time as we know it. That's not the time. Right? So, you know, I, I understand fully where he's coming from, man. You know, some people may you may come off foul to some people, but I, I get it. And to, to your point earlier, what you were saying, you know, Prince is, let's face it, man. He, you know, he is to some degree maybe over overprotective of his legacy. But if he if he's not going to do it, then who else is? True. That's his that's his job, man, to be protective of his legacy, man. You know, sometimes I think he goes overboard with it, but that's his prerogative to do so, man. He's the guy that created the catalog that we all love and that we, you know, had basically the soundtrack of our lives to. So it's up to him and his mind to do whatever he see fit to protect it. So that is the way it is. Yeah. He one didn't. thing. Oh, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. One thing I, you know, I have been critical of Prince when the whole original Seven Project came out. And I thought, why can't they use the name, you know? But you know, it's like you said, Mike, the time is Prince and Morris. You know, that's just what it is. Now, granted, the guys in the original Seven, all of them, are, you know, magnificent musicians. And I said this when we reviewed that album. Without Prince to oversee this and to direct it, it's not the time. You know, it's just Jimmy and Terry and Jesse and Morris and Monty and Jellybean, and they're all bringing ideas because they're all producers in their own right. And it was just too chaotic. You don't have the one voice saying yes or no. 
and that's what happened in the original seven. I mean, you heard you heard a lot of elements of great things, but it wasn't really focused and put together. Whereas a time project is because it's Prince and Morris, and in the later stages it was Prince and Jesse and Morris. So I can see why he doesn't want his name on it because that's not him. The time is Prince. As much as we like to think is it Jimmy and Terry and those cats, no, it's Prince. And so I can see now why he doesn't want that out there. Just same thing with the family. You know, he created this stuff. Not uh, Paul and Susanna. He did. So I, I can see his point wanting to protect that. Yeah, just to jump around. Interesting, the, the interviewer says, uh, he says, I like this album. He's talking about Hit and Run Phase 2 uh, better than Hit and Run Phase 1. No disrespect. Told you. And, and Prince says, uh, Hit and Run sounds like today. Title is sink, sinking money into it and they need it. And my heart is always on because I want them to do well. Uh, so Beyonce and Jay-Z have taken a lot of abuse. Their family has a historic amount of abuse between the two of them. And when we win on this, none of us will gloat. Uh, he's not the gloating type anyway. He's slick with his. He says to brush the dirt off his shoulder, y'all need to stop. Just calm down. Everybody calm down. There you go. Then he says, uh, he says, when this does well, nobody gloats. We go on about our business. But we'll do another one. And this is a way for Josh to step up because he's not going to stay around here forever. So I got to work with him while I can. And you remember Teddy Riley was under somebody before. Which I don't remember that unless he's talking about Gene Griffin. But anyway, uh, Pharrell was under somebody before Teddy. Uh, Jimmy Jam or Jimmy and Terry were under me. Um, which, you know, I, I take it as him saying and he mentions, you know, I'm sort of like um, giving this young guy. Letting him sort of be under me, you know, tutor this, this 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 gentleman here and showing him the game and putting him on in a sense, which I, I like that. I know it's again, people have their problems with having Josh produce it. And I get that. But it's interesting that Prince would he sees himself as the teacher uh, in these regards. Um, and he also says, uh, uh, he says, all the musicians that played on this, they go. He just records and puts stuff in the vault. All of them have stories. Quote, he's recording stuff you would not believe. He just threw it away. He says, I didn't throw it away. It just has to be on the right project. And all of these things fit together. It reminds me of this time period. I can see all their faces. And this is probably the last record I'll do with Shelby J. She's, she's all in here, too. And Andy Allo's singing background here, too. Um, he goes into talking about a lot of you know the people that work with him. He talked about uh, sort of the differences going back to the horn players stuff in terms of um, this is my interpretation. He talks about Dr. Fink and him were the only two people that were soloing in the revolution. And he was saying, you know, I'm gathering. He's saying Dr. Fink, his solos were all planned out. Like he wasn't really, he wasn't just like playing, you know, feeling it. He just it was rehearsed. Versus I assume Prince, I'm just going off of whatever the vibe is and going in. And then so you get a guy like, uh, I guess, uh, Eric Lees that has the chops enough to, you know, he can improvise or he can go with the, you can just say, Eric, go. And he'll just adapt to whatever's going on and can play in. I, I wonder if that's sort of leading more into sort of like the reasons why the rev revolution is, you know, pushed to the side or you know graduating up to the sign of times ban and also maybe going into the question of and again i'm over analyzing 
But is that sort of why you don't see the revolution coming back? What can you bring the revolution back? Maybe he feels like they can't really do the kind of shit that he wants to be able to do with these musicians that he works with now can play all different types of music. I don't know about that, man. I, I actually think that you are right with your, your earlier statement that this is probably more an, more an indictment of why he moved on from the revolution in the first place. Because we remember we he said before, man, they, you know, they used to get blown out on stage by the time. Right. You know, and he probably felt restricted to a degree. Right. I mean, his band couldn't stretch out and really go any farther than than where he could take them at that point in time. But I would assume, let's face it, Wendy and Lisa and Dr. Fink and all those guys, they haven't stopped playing. They're still playing. To this day, they're still playing. They're still doing music. So you would assume that they have improved. They've grown in their craft, just like he's grown in his craft, right? So I don't think it's fair to say or to assume, and I'm not saying you did, but I don't think it's fair to say that they probably couldn't, quote unquote, get down now. You know, but maybe not to the level that he wants. I mean, that's that's arguable. But I do think that was probably the the direct reason why he decided to break away from the revolution and move forward. Because you think about it, when he went to the Sound of the Times band, now you got a lot of these cats in here who are well versed in jazz. You had Sheila E., you had Miko, you had uh, your boy Levi, you had all these in Atlanta Bliss. You had all these cats in here now that can stretch out, you know, in addition to himself and Fink. And, 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 you know, they, they pushed it beyond where the revolution could go. So I think that was pretty much the reason why he had to do it. And also, he probably didn't like, you know, we've talked about it before. He probably didn't like, you know, how much input Wendy and Lisa and them were having in there possibly as well. But I, I do think that he felt limited with his band. And this statement in the interview more or less, uh, you know, verifies that. Yeah, I just I wanted to bring up... Uh Levi, man, I just saw a clip of him. I guess he plays with Tony 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 now or something. Yeah, yeah. And there's a clip of him playing this uh, ill-ass guitar uh, type of solo thing with them, man. And he, he still got it, man. He was raw. Like, shout out to that Levi. whole that whole band was raw, man. I mean, yeah. Miko, Miko was ill. Yeah, she, we, we know Sheila. We know Sheila. I mean, come on, that whole band was ill. That's what I'm saying. I think it was. There's some. There's some truth to that. Yeah, so um, any other takeaways from the interview or before we wrap up here? Uh, just, just that it was interesting, man, and it kind of reminded me of uh, um, the, the you know, remember, remember how we used to joke about, you know, Prince was acting black during the Under Terry Moon <laughs> movie? <laughs> this was kind of a, a, a print version of that to a degree. He was just going off, man, on the going just completely ballistic on whatever topic came to mind, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I wonder why he wanted to be taken down. I don't think anything in here was bad. I, I, maybe no, it's giving a little more insight into him than he may prefer, which I can. But I don't know. I, I, I actually, like I said, when I first read it, I was like, "Bravo, man! This yeah, is the kind of thing you. Yeah, I can get with this. I'm glad he's speaking about this. Whatever, especially it is. as an elder statesman of music, man, who's been yeah. through all. He's been through all the wars of music, bruh. So you know, it's it's not like people are not going to listen to what he has to say. What he has to say has some weight. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I don't. I didn't see anything bad about it either, man. But I guess he must have felt, you know, felt something not right with it. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I'm sorry. One go thing. Ahead. <clears throat> Uh, that I found interesting. 
was he's talking about when he turned in I Hate You to the label. Mm. And he's like, you know, I thought this is something, one of the best things I'd ever done. And the first thing they say is, yeah, it's great. It's dope and all that. We're going to have Puffy do the remix. <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm out. Wow. You know, and again, a lot of times, again, uh, in Diamond of our, of our Industry, these cats in the music industry, these, quote, A&R guys, I don't even know what the fuck they do, want to come in and say, okay, Prince, that's great. I don't play any instruments, but you, we need to get Puff Diddley in here to do this. No. You don't, you know, so I can see why he doesn't like to be around a label relationship, but it comes with, you know, positives, you know, which is distribution and exposure. But sometimes they want to get their hands in the pie, too, and they don't they're not qualified to be in the kitchen making the pies. Like the guy who said, let's get Puff Diddley to do the meat remix. Like, get out of here with that, man. Puff, Puff Diddley. <laughs> <laughs> Puffy Dad or whatever his name. Daddy Puff, whatever his name is. Um, shout out to Puff Daddy. I'm a fan, God damn it. I'm not. I mean, he, he no, he's no musician, but. I'm a fan of him business. in a business sense. Yeah, business. Damn sure. Doing his thing. Um, so, yeah, and then, the, you know, it sort of ends. <clears throat> the conversation goes into some, like, spiritual and. And religious type of start talking. I know it's for some people that's always like they don't like that. You know, I don't hate when Prince. Does. I don't understand why you would hate. Him. I mean, you know, a guy is into something he's into. That's on him. You know what I'm saying? Like you either you don't have to prescribe to what he's thinking. You know, I still find it interesting. Um, and you know, he talks about working with Josh and why, why did you? choose to work with Josh, you know, paraphrasing to say, well, he felt like, you know what, this guy believes in God or whatever, and I can trust him. That that enables me to trust him because I feel like he's a, I, you know, I'm throwing words, you know, sort of righteous type of person that I can put this stuff into his hands and they're going to just leak it or, or, you know what I mean, like disrespect what I'm doing here. So I can, you know, I can understand that reasoning. Like, okay, I see what you're saying. You know, it's very interesting to me, the, the thought process and, and how he's going about it. And again, like I said, I thought the whole interview was very light, enlightening. Uh, I wish he would do more stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe that I was <laughs> what's that one uh, public enemy songs that prophets rage. And you so hostile. I got a right to be hostile. People being persecuted. Persecuted. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's my man, Prince. But all right. Um there we go so man we got a new we got what two albums this year from prince that's crazy yeah uh, it is got two albums uh i don't you know unfortunately i guess they postponed the uh mike and one man and one mike tour whatever it was called with prince oh yeah that solo. piano tour is gonna yeah. do i'm not sure what's going on with that but uh we got oh, some I would, music i would spend the grip to see that yeah i hope he do it i hope he do it in the states I mean, I'm all over that if he does that one. So, yeah, we got some good music. Uh, we got some good podcasts this year. Um, any other last thing? We're going we're to we're shut it down. So any other last things here from you guys? Nope. Well, I'll make it real simple. Uh-oh. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to go into business myself. Been too long since we had Big Cat on the mic with us. Very, very true. There it is, man. There it is. There it is. Hey, man. Hey, man. You got to talk to the powers that be, man. Oh, oh the, the wife? I can't help you on that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all good. Hey, man, but y'all was whacking this Star Wars interview, bro. Uh-oh. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Ain't no, ain't no, whoa, 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 nothing, not, man. Not me. Okay. I'm not going to name no names. Uh, yeah, not Marcus. Okay. There's others, 
everybody other than uh, they dropping and Michael Dean. Uh oh, you're starting it all up now. I don't give a damn. <laughs> Here comes the thirty-six postings coming. I like the movie. All right, I have nothing but good things to say about it. That's why I don't. That's why I stay off the mic, bro. (laughs) (laughs) My blood pressure down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we'll wrap it up here. You've been listening to the Prince podcast. Let us know what you thought of the album. Let us know what you thought about that Prince interview. Um. It's uh, still out there a little bit. You can find it online. Um, so definitely take a read on that. Hey, we just want to say thank you for listening with us this year. We'll definitely be back next year with more stuff. Uh, Big Sexy and Sack, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter under Big Sexy and Sack and on Facebook under Mark Wiggins. All right. Big Ken. Same deal. Twitter at Ken Mitch, Facebook at under Ken Mitchell and theflavorfoundation.com. All right, you can find me at M. Dean and, of course, podcastjuice.net. Work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.